look at the great resignation, <clears throat> the things that are impacting women, as we look at the gender balance, as well as uh, the lead women in leadership, there's huge gaps. And I'm not just talking about AstraZeneca, I'm talking about across, you know, um, the world and across, you know, the, the global environment, all companies that are dealing with these same issues. Hey everyone, and welcome to the C Network podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen. I lead C Network as its founder and CEO. And together with my team, I help build more diverse, more equitable, and more inclusive workplaces. Today, I'm excited because I have a great conversation to bring to you. I was able to speak with a fellow diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, EJ Henry. EJ is the head of U.S. Inclusion and Diversity at AstraZeneca. And during our conversation, we discussed how EJ is retaining and developing talent within AstraZeneca through an accelerator program for high potential women of color. Now, this is a great strategy for building and enhancing that underrepresented talent and for getting that strong internal pipeline up through leadership. I hope you get some great ideas from this one because I know I did. Enjoy. Okay, we are so excited to have EJ Henry here with us today. Uh, EJ is the U.S. Head of Inclusion and Diversity at AstraZeneca, and we are so, so lucky to have him here. Hey, EJ, how are you? I'm doing just fantastic. How are you today? Not bad, not bad. Just happy to be able to have this conversation with you. We have a lot that, you know, off camera we were talking a little bit about. And I was like, okay, we need to get started because there's too much for us to talk about. Um, Can you get us started with your bio? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are. Absolutely. So first and foremost, thanks for having me. Um, It's my pleasure to be here to talk to you about the different experiences that we have. A little bit about me. Um, I've been with AstraZeneca just about five years. Um, I have a background in instructional design uh, as well as business and information systems. Uh, We're evolved into talent management. Um, I came to the organization really, really focusing on that talent management side. And as a component of talent, uh, evolved into inclusion and diversity. So we've turned the entire organization around um, and, and embedded IND into the organization. So I put the I before the D because for 30 years, we've been focusing on diversity and inclusion and individuals look at that word as this just one word and not really thinking about the impact and the definition of each one. So us, inclusion is about valuing diversity. And if you build an inclusive organization, you'll bring the diversity. So that's kind of what we've done there. Uh, I, you know, was the first with the role. I am the, was the director of inclusion and diversity for the biopharma business, which is we call BBU, uh, and that is the commercial arm of the organization, the largest uh, employee population in the U.S. as well. And we did some great things there by updating our values uh, with inclusive, uh, you know, you know, verbiage. Uh, we reinvigorated our BRGs. We had an evolution to drive them from ERG to BRGs. We created a global strategy. Uh, we created a global inclusion council. We also applied for Diversity Top Inc., um, 50 companies, 
and was fortunate enough to be on that for the last two years, uh, which was a huge accomplishment uh, and have just blossomed as a great organization that's really championing inclusion and diversity. So I'm excited to be in this role. And now I head up U.S. inclusion, uh, inclusion and diversity for the entire U.S. business. So my remit is about 16,000 people. We've taken on uh, another company by the name of Lexion. We brought them into the fold as well. And it's just been uh, a, a heck of a ride, you know, over the last two to three years with everything going on uh, with the George Floyd uh, killing as well as, you know, COVID. Uh, being with an organization that can truly drive impact has been special. So I feel like I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position to to do this work where my passion, my proficiency, and my purpose all connect with each other. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for laying that out and for taking us on that journey with you, not just through your career, but specifically through your time leading inclusion and diversity at AstraZeneca. So it's just beautiful to hear all that you've been able to do there. I know we talked about a specific initiative that you've been uh, really in the middle of, and that is very timely for us to talk about, given uh, that we're right now really thinking about women in our workplaces. It's the month of March, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about this specific initiative? Really, Absolutely. really describe it for us, because it sounded really interesting when you were sharing it with me. Absolutely. So <clears throat> I have a daughter, and having a daughter provided me with this epiphany where it's just like everything just meant something different for me uh, moving forward when it comes to being an advocate, an ally, an accomplice to women in the workplace. So as we look at the great resignation, <clears throat> the things that are impacting women, as we look at the gender balance, as well as uh, the lead women in leadership, there's huge gaps. And I'm not just talking about AstraZeneca, I'm talking about across, you know, um, the world and across, you know, the, the global environment, all companies that are dealing with these same issues. And <clears throat> for us, it, it's so different now um, for me to think about my daughter is going to be in the workforce one day and to see the challenges and and the inequities that exist, um, that was something that was near and dear to me um, after you know, really focusing and realizing that my daughter needs to be treated with equity. Um, so as a part of our racial equity ambition uh, that we implemented over the last two years, uh, we are dedicated to increasing uh, women in leadership, specifically uh, women of color. So what we've done is <clears throat> we've we've created a, a, a program that really you know elevates and and you know progresses women in the workplace, uh, and it's specifically for women of color. We call it the Brain Leadership Institute. So we work with a uh, organization to pull this through, and it just has been a, a tremendous partnership. And the Brain Leadership Institute, six-month course um, that we specifically made, again, for women of color, um, to really build their brain, their awareness, their emotional intelligence, their confidence, 
as well as give them the visibility that they need uh, to be seen by leaders in the organization. The target audience for this, this program sits, you know, there's a long, uh, a wide space of, of airspace that you can actually travel. So it's the new hire to the person who is a director uh, looking to take on that next leadership role. Uh, and it's so important for us to not minimize and make this so targeted for just for women who are director above, but to really have something for the entire population. Um, and I think it's been very successful. It's highly sought after um, because it's a program that helps you build your, your confidence and, and bridge the gap to you getting to the place where you need to be. So some of the things that this program provides helps you build your roadmap. It helps you build your, your brand, your framework, your elevator speech, um, and helps you understand what is your passion and, and how do you want to translate that into the workforce and how do you want to be seen? The interesting thing that I really take away from this is you can't go on this journey alone. So having your managers be a part of this and having them get receiving development is also a key part and an initiative of this program. That is the, the key ingredient to the success of this program. Mm. So not only do you go through the program, but your managers go through it as well, because managing a woman of color is different when, when you're in the workforce to make sure that you understand uh, some of the nuances and the cultural um, you know, differences that might be showing up in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that EJ created. This is you know, proven fact and research has shown. Mm -hmm. You look at the McKinsey study, they'll show you that's 20 pages on this information of how Mm -hmm. It is different, right? We there's different inequities that show up uh, mm -hmm. from a career perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, the notion of being the angry black woman, or uh, you know, a person who was of Asian descent is is quiet and they have nothing to offer. You know, just dispelling all these biases and really honing in on that individual, providing them with sponsorship, uh, so that you're talking about them while they're not in the room. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is the, the crux of the program. And it has taken off uh, and has been really successful uh, for the women. And that, that is such a um, you know, it's a very cool program, I think, on so many different levels. But I'm glad you touched on this, because what some people might be thinking is, wait a second, why women? And then wait, why are women of color? And I think you pointed to that research that comes out of McKinsey's Women in the Workplace studies, which have, like, and there's so many other pieces of research out there saying how different the experience is for women of color in workplaces, particularly because of that intersectionality and the way some of those biases can be compounded. Did you find it that, that it was maybe uh, difficult to really convey that as you were getting buy-in for this program? It's a, not so much a difficult, but it's, it's a challenge, right? Because you have to, <clears throat> if you're looking about, you're talking about being inclusive and there's individuals who say, well, well why can't I be a part of the program? Uh, it's not so much you can't be a part of it. It's this is differentiated development, which is necessary to elevate, right? And give people the opportunity to be seen 
as well as grow their their skill set and address some of the challenges that they face right mm-hmm. there's also we also have a women as leaders program that has been around for you know over five years five to six years in the program mm-hmm. um, that is for all women globally right um, mm-hmm. which is very diverse as well but this specific one is for the u.s and it's particularly for women of color because in the u.s we've set our ambitions to increase women in leadership mm-hmm. right we bragging you know companies brag and boast and if you look at the numbers you'll see oh we're 50 percent you know women uh and then when you get to leadership it starts to dwindle yeah now you know 50 percent leadership and then you look at the 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 numbers um of people women of color it mm-hmm. went down to maybe single digits, mm-hmm. right? Why is yeah. that the case, right? We have we have the representation and capacity. What are we doing to retain and, and, and motivate women of color in the organization to put them in a place where they can be successful? And that's what this is about. And you listed a few of the different components of this program. One of the pieces that stood out to me was how involved managers have to be. Can you say more about the dedicated, uh, maybe the support that they receive in this program or the work that they're expected to do if they're involved in this program? Because managers are huge. Absolutely. So it is our job as managers to develop our people. And that is not only to just develop, but also sponsor them. So this program takes a, an approach to make sure that not only does that individual go through the course, but you go through it with them. So you can understand and see the progression of their success, right? As they start to evolve being in the program, they have you know weekly check-ins with you and there's also development and content for those leaders. So the, the important part is giving them the space to actually go through the program and also being committed as a manager yourself, because I know we are all busy, but you're going through this journey with them. If you don't go through this journey with them and you just check in everything, it's a check the box. Mm -hmm. If I feel my manager is committed to my development, they'll be there. And if they're committed to my development, they'll help learn themselves and then open up doors for me as well. Uh, And with that, we've seen uh, tremendous progress in all of our programs where over 95% of the, uh, you know, the survey responses were, we are very, um, you know, we feel very favorable about this program and we learned as well. So, and as a part of this program, there is a a cohort lead. So one of the, the actual participants step up to be a leader to make sure that they're collecting and and engaging with the entire group. And there's also a manager component where they're doing the same. So with that being said, it's not just a, you know, let your employee go off and do this development and they'll come back and they'll be great. And -hmm. then we'll continue to work hard. It is, how can I be a better inclusive leader to be more culturally intelligent, more curious? We have better open conversations, right? We can be authentic. We build trust with each other. And I can be vulnerable, right? And say, you know what? I didn't understand, you know, where you were coming from. 
or I didn't understand this is how you learn and how you perceive things, or, you know, sharing some intimate moments where you're being your full authentic self. And now as a manager, you're taught to be able to build that relationship and also leverage and take the best from that employee and elevate that so they can be successful. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned that I think is a pitfall that a lot of organizations fall into when they do a program like this is you mentioned that you support managers to give their people the space to be involved in this program. And sometimes we forget that these programs are done on top of the day job, right? The full-time job. And whenever we have these programs, particularly when they target a marginalized group or an underrepresented group, and then we're asking them to do this program on top of their work, and we don't make sure that their managers give them the space to do it, sure. it can it can backfire, right? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I love that you have that in there. It, it's one of those things, right? If you are not showing up at work, you know, as your full authentic self and your best self, am I getting the best from you? No. No. So who suffers when that happens? The organization, the team, and that individual, right? Absolutely. So with that being said, you want them to be at their best. So you want to give them the space to develop themselves. If you're a manager, and you're not, you know, coaching, training, supporting, and sponsoring, mentoring, and they're different things, your employee to take your place, are you really doing your job? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If, if it's you just wanting someone who's a subordinate, that's not, that's not it. I'm the type of manager, I want to hire the smartest people, and I want them to be great. I don't want to tell them what to do. I want to give them the give them the the free space and free will to to execute and be at their best. Mm-hmm. I'll help them understand what I need them to do, uh, and how they need to execute. But how? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'll explain the why. But I need you to be your best and show up, uh, right. and come with new innovative ideas and allow you to grow. Right, that's how you learn. And that's what all the research says, right? About that's why this work is so important because that's what you get when you infuse everything with IND, with inclusion and diversity, with with all of the initiatives that we're talking about. Absolutely, no, it's great. And then and you you said something important is it's embedding, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is a way of us embedding the fact that it's okay to not be perfect as a manager. And it's okay to have that conversation and learn something new. Where you have to always be a continuous learner, always be willing to continue to learn. Nobody's perfect at being a manager, and we ask a lot of managers. Mm-hmm. That's your role, right? That is your role. Your role is to nurture people and to also make sure that you're getting the best out of your people so that you can execute for your team. Mm-hmm. There's a line, and you need to walk that balance. Definitely. And I, I, what, what I really uh, like about that is it sounds like a lot of what the managers have to lean into and accept is a little bit of vulnerability, right? Recognizing and humility, recognizing that they have room to grow as managers and in many ways as people as they confront potential biases that they might have as they're managing people from different backgrounds and in particular these women of color. 
Absolutely. You get the most innovation when you have a diverse set of individuals, right? Yeah. If you don't maximize that diversity, you won't get that innovation because those people won't feel comfortable. And, you know, in a situation or environment where you're not fostering them to be their full authentic selves, you're not getting the best of them. And when you don't get the best of them, you don't get the innovation, the increased performance, the productivity and all and the retention of those individuals. We're in a place right now where people, women of color are sought after by everybody because everyone wants to build and sustain a diverse talent pipeline. Yeah. Every organization, right? A lot of people have put commitments out there and say, we're going to do this. We're going to hire that. We're going to take care. We're going to do this. And everybody is in the same market for the same talent. Mm-hmm. So if I don't feel that I my my the company I work for really cares about my development and really cares about me being successful, or I can't see where the organization sees me as a value add to that organization, I'm no longer going to be there. Right. We talk about this great resignation. Right. We want to make the great reservation. We want to keep everyone here. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, you have to allow them to be at their best. Right. Yeah, totally. You know, um, I re- I'm reminded that this you mentioned this initiative is connected in some way to your racial equity goals. Um, maybe something that you did a couple of years ago as as everything was really coming about around the Black Lives Matter movement resurging. Um, Can you say more about that connection? Absolutely. So we, you know, this was a journey we were on prior to George Floyd, because we we are a science business. You know, we're all about the science. So we look at the data and we look at the the numbers, right? Um, And one of the things we looked at and we thought was a priority was how can we get the you know the diverse the most diverse individuals and the best innovation from our people we need to look at our data and our data said we need to do better right um and we did some comparisons across the board of what does what's the talent that's available what's the talent that's we have here and what do we need and you know women of color was one on uh that list uh as well as you know people of color to increase from a leadership perspective. So 50% uh, gender, I think, you know, is great, but we're already exceeding that. Um, but are we being equitable for all women across, not just for uh, Caucasian women, right? And we wanna make sure that uh, we're being intentional about developing leaders because at that level, research also says, when you have women who are diverse leaders um, on a team, you are just ex- double digit percent more, uh, you know, profitable, uh, more innovative, you know, more uh, product productive. And these are all things that our business relies on, right? We are saving patients. And we also want to make sure that our patient population, uh, our, our employee population reflects the patients that we're serving. In order to do that, we got to make sure that our organization reflects that. And that's why, as a part of our racial equity ambition, we are driving to ensure that this is the case. Um, so the BLI program was born uh, as a result of that. Uh, so we've had three cohorts. We did a pilot with HR, with six individuals. 
we did our first cohort last year. Um, <clears throat> we had 30 people uh, actually go through that program. Uh, the tremendous thing was there was almost half the cohort received promotions halfway through the program wow. because you can see, <clears throat> excuse me, you can see the immediate progress in the growth of these individuals. The first pilot, two of those individuals were my coworkers, mm. and I put them in from an HR perspective and I just seen them grow incrementally. And I'm just like, wow, the way they are showing up, the confidence that they are having, uh, it's just absolutely tremendous. And, and to see that, was very eye-opening for me, um, you know, as I move forward. And I just, I'm excited and elated. And now the program, we, we put a, a huge campaign around it. What makes this this program so successful? And people are coming, knocking down the door saying, how do I get involved? How can I be a part of it? How do I get nominated? I want a you know, chance to be a part of this because I've seen, I've seen the change in the, the, the behavior and the success of individuals who went through this program and that's how that's just how impactful it's been that's great i think that that's a good segue into the potential challenges around a program like this right because it sounds like one of them was likely that that capacity that you had for the program itself yeah. can you speak to that challenge and any others that came up yeah so a couple of challenges uh one is you got to set expectations Right. When people are busy, even managers, a lot of times managers are put in place because they are excellent executors. They get things done. A lot of times it's not for their managerial skills. Right. So it's it's making sure that they have the right capabilities as well to lead and manage folks and develop people. There's a fine line between, you know, directing someone and developing someone. Mm -hmm. That's one challenge. So getting your managers up to speed, giving the space, giving the time and the commitment um, and helping them plan out so they can continue to be successful in their, in their day jobs, as well as apply the things that they're learning to their day jobs. That's one, one barrier mm -hmm. that you can easily get over if you set the tone from the top. And let people know this is this is the required this is what's re required of you, and this is what I will need you to be accountable for. Mm -hmm. And if that's not the case, then the program could kind of lose steam. The other barrier is because of the uh, the wide range of uh, the target audience, right? Levels so like E to you know, mm -hmm. to F to director level. Mm -hmm you have so many people within that organization and most most women of color kind of sit in that bucket from an organization okay. and you can only have but so many people in the cohort because th this costs money to execute it's almost like taking you know paying for a college credit course for uh you know 30 people that could get right. expensive right think about having 30 kids taking paying for college <laughs> right so it's it's one of those programs where what's the criteria and how do you make it equitable? Right. Right. So how do you make it equitable for women of color? Because you can't have inequities with a, a women of color program. So I need to make sure I have, um, you know, uh, Asians, Indian. Uh, I need to make sure I have African-American, uh, Latinos. I need to make sure I have 
you know, uh, LGBTQ, disabilities, all those things. I want to make sure that this is a diverse program mm -hmm. uh, for those individuals. And then I also need to make sure I have sponsorship. So a lot of people are, are really focused on mentorship, which I think is great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But sponsorship is so critical, right? And this is this is for anybody, women of color, men of color, uh, you know, people in general. Having a sponsor is so critical because when we're having succession plan meetings and we're discussing who's I ready now, ready later, and ready in a few years, talent, you need to have an executive or a leader in that room who understands your capabilities. And if they understand your capabilities, they un you have a relationship with them, mm -hmm. you build trust with them. Now I can talk about you in the room. Mm -hmm. And I can say, you know what? Natalia, you are great at this and you would be awesome at taking this job, right? And mm -hmm. now that you went through the BLI program, your confidence is so much stronger where, you know, most times, you know, women feel like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for this stretch objective. Right. Where men, they'd be like, ah, even though they're not ready, they'd be like, of course, I'm ready. I've deserved this job. <laughs> right. And how do we how do we manage that? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times the managers feel more confident about you doing that stretch role than you do yourself. Mm -hmm. And and I've and I've coached and sponsored and mentored many women. And it was the same thing. And I'm just like, your perception is is your reality, but that's not really the reality. Mm -hmm. You are absolutely capable of doing this role and then some, right? Mm -hmm. And just giving people the confidence, the tools, the resources, and the capabilities to go out and make that happen. Yeah. That's absolutely remarkable. And that's why I bring it back to my daughter. Cause you know, she's she's bright, she's talented, she is amazing. And I, I tell her she can do anything she wants. And I have a son who's a twin. And I tell him the exact same thing. Um but I know when she steps into the workforce, you know, it's not going to be the same for her as it is for my son. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do the work I do so that when they do get to this point, my legacy is to make sure that they walk into businesses and organizations um, and they get the same treatment uh, and the same opportunities to be successful. Thank you for sharing that personal inspiration that you have that motivation that you have it makes a lot of sense i think what i'm struck by and we're gonna have to get you back on here ej for a whole talk about mentorship and sponsorship because that's a whole conversation and you're so right people don't realize how different they are but they're so different and both so important so i'm like yeah. oh you're, you're dropping nuggets <laughs> um but i'm struck by how this program clearly does so much, uh, not just for the women, right? We talked about how all of this is, is meant to support everyone. Ultimately, indirectly, everyone benefits from this, right? Those wonderful leaders who are part of this program will become leaders within the company, within AstraZeneca. And not only that, but you're also growing their current leaders, their managers, to be even better managers. Absolutely. And it's just a it's just a wonderful little cycle you got going on there. Absolutely. That's the retention and the relationships, right? You mm -hmm. you, you want to feel like you belong, right? Mm -hmm. That's creating that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And 
you don't want to just be included. I don't want to be invited to the party, but I want to know you actually care about me. Yeah. And this program helps you establish that caring piece because, you know, sometimes the, the leaders in those programs learn more than the people who are actually in the program. Yeah. I believe that. that right there. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, we talked about a few challenges. I don't know if you had any others that you wanted to throw in before we move on to talking about some advice you might have for people. No, those are the challenges. And okay. uh, those are, those are barriers that we can get over because um, it's a great program. And, uh, you know, you set the you set the stage. We have a great sponsor. Uh, we have a set member, uh, Dave Fredersen, who is the actual sponsor of the program. Yeah. He is there at graduations. He is there to kick off. He does the videos. Yeah. He sets the stage, and when and when the set member talks, you listen, right? Yeah. Uh, and and our head of uh, HR, uh, Nalee Morale, who is uh, North America hub leader, she's there as well. Mm -hmm. And she, this is important. Okay. And if managers and leaders aren't doing what they need to do, mm -hmm. we hold them accountable. Yeah. So. And that sounds like, I mean, another good segue because at least a little bit of the advice that you might give or one piece of advice that I'm hearing coming through is how powerful senior leadership can be to a program like this, how, how influential it can be. So I don't know if you want to say more about that. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have the sponsorship, right? Because you have to you have to be able to one, this is an intentional program. So the 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 research and the data was used to leverage the reason why we have a program for women of color. It's intentional. It's intentional to grow the the you know the diversity representation and the leadership of women of color in our business because the the onset or the benefit and the value of that is driving increased productivity and innovation any manager said they don't want that uh, you're in the wrong business right um <clears throat> and with that being said that leader and sponsor one they got to pay for it <laughs> right they have to finance it and two yeah. they they hold those leaders accountable Right. So if no, if there's no one checking and holding them accountable uh, to delivering and providing a space for this program, mm -hmm. it wouldn't it wouldn't be as, you know, as impactful as it is today. It would be more of a more another check the box women's right. program that oh it's great. I went through it and I go back to my normal day to day. Right. But when you have leaders who are brought in, who are holding folks accountable, who sponsor it, they're visible, right? Um, and even at our graduations, we have these breakout sessions and we have leaders on the call and they're they're just blown away at the, you know, the, the discussions and the impact and the feedback that they're getting. Mm -hmm. And to listen to someone's, uh, you know, their MVP, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, their value proposition. So what is your value proposition? You come right there with it and you're ready to give it to that leader. Uh, that's special, right? Yeah. And so that 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 buy-in and that support and that sponsorship is critical. And now they've met, you know, over fifty um, women right. of color in all di ten different set areas. You know, ten different business units right. who are talented. And now 
I wouldn't have the opportunity to meet this person probably if I didn't if I didn't have this program. And now they can talk about that person and establish a relationship with them uh, so that when they are looking at initiatives that they want to uh, drive across the business, they can say, you know, what? Ooh, I thought about this, Heather. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. I want I, someone I can put on this project um, or someone I need to be thinking about a special role or someone is ready for the next step in the next phase or look at the projects they've done. Those are all important things that I think uh, that sponsorship and, and leadership buy-in is necessary. Right, right. And that makes a ton of sense to me. I wonder then if you have any other advice for either people who are looking to do something similar or take it wherever you want, EJ. If you have advice for those who are new in this space and mm-hmm. really driving inclusion, diversity, equity, belonging, or, you know, feel free to give advice to our audience, wherever they may be. Go for it. Sure. I think the best advice that would be um, for, you know, folks who are in this space is, one is you need to be vulnerable, right? Um, and when I say that, it's more around that inclusive leadership capabilities, right? Build your cultural intelligence, um, your curiosity, and be empathetic and be intentional about learning about others. But in order to break down the walls and the barriers that people put in front of them, because innately we don't want to be hurt. So we put up these walls and those walls um, are a reflection in an outcome of how we were raised. So in order to do that, sometimes you have to position yourself to be vulnerable. I told you about my daughter and why I do the work I do. That's me being vulnerable. And then that lets your guard down to say, you know what? I I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you never manage someone who is a woman, a female of color, and you have your own biases about females, you know what? I've had biases and I don't understand, but I'm willing to learn right? That is being vulnerable. And that is removing the guards and the barriers and the walls between you and your employees who may be different from you. Um, And that is something not only just with women of color, but all diversity you have to deal with. And I think if you can do that, you'll you'll, you'll be in a great space. The other piece of advice I would give is just to practitioner and champions of inclusion and diversity. You have to have thick skin. And when I say thick skin, understand um, that you're not always going to win everybody over for them to jump on that inclusion and diversity train. Just not going to happen. Because what you're trying to do in a short period of time is erase years of teachings and, and biases that people show up with. And preaching and talking to them a lot of the times will not change their beliefs that was instilled in them from the time that they were young and you know young children and it's so critically important to understand to also say i want to listen to your perspective and where you're coming from and also try to put yourself in their shoes 
um, so you can help them where they're at. But understand you're, you're not always going to convert everybody to be on this train and see the value of it. Sometimes a different voice is needed or a different approach is needed. So don't get frustrated at the work. Um, I, I say work, but it's not really work for me because this is my passion. It's the intersectionality of my purpose and my proficiency. So I do this, um, you know, not for work, but because I want to make a better a better place for my kids when they grow up and enter the workforce. So that's my advice. Thank you. And and I, I sense that from you, that intersection. It's truly an honor to have you on this podcast, EJ, and to have your expertise and, and experiences showcased for our listeners. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a great time for speaking with you and I uh, love talking about this subject.